0: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Nine volumes available at Amazon in ebook and paperback format, and eight volumes in audiobook at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And by the way, volume nine is complete it should be being downloaded and launched shortly so keep your eyes open for that and go out and buy a copy and may i introduce you to my brother and co-host kj sheehan kev how are you i'm doing great happy almost new year bill Yeah, well, uh, by the time the folks get this, uh, will you be launching this this evening, you think? I will be. Good. So we'll have a podcast up for the New Year's Eve, and uh, I told you, Kev, we're getting a little rain here. Times Square, the crowd is going to be drenched. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, there's nothing like standing out in a crowd for five or six hours with a a Depends diaper on. With a million of your closest friends. Right. (laughs) Soaking wet. (laughs) How'd you like to have a Depends wrapped around you, (laughs) soaking wet under your blue jeans? Did they really do that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's no bathrooms over there. Nice. (laughs) So you got like uh, a million people. Piled into the streets, Uh, I don't know what the numbers are, it's probably a half a million people. I think it's a million, I bet. Yeah, well, Giant Stadium holds 80,000. Yeah. And there's way, way, way more than that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, standing (laughs) out there in the drenching rain with your clothes on, your Depends diaper clinging to you soaking wet. And uh, yeah, that's what they do. These people go out there and they take care of business right in their diaper because they can't go any. (laughs) Can you imagine?
1: Can you imagine that? (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm out of your minds, man. I've been there uh, in Times Square back before the pandemic. um, You know, doing a little holiday with the kids and left on like the morning of New Year's Eve, and you Mm -hmm. you know you'd see them with all the gates and fences and everything up to pan in, you know, a million people. And Mm -hmm. I was always like, man, we're getting out of here right at the perfect time. Yeah. Goodbye. I'll take Bigfoot in the forest anytime. (laughs) Hey, Bigfoot, happy new year. Yeah. So this is the last (laughs) podcast of the year. 2022.
0: It's awesome, man. And I told you, uh, well, I didn't tell you this. I have a freaking account for the ages here today. All right. Uh, which we'll get into. Uh, and I was just telling my brother, and thanks to my friend Philip out there listening to the show. A uh, few people are interested. Uh, Philip had a friend who recommended hanging a slinky over the pole of his bird feeder. Uh, to deter the squirrels from climbing, shinning up the pole and uh, eating all the seeds. So uh, the pole that I had was what I would call like a double shepherd's crook, two rods welded together with the hooks coming out on either side. So I couldn't hang a slinky over that. There was no way to get it over and down. Uh, So I went out and bought a couple of single shepherd's crook feeders, or or poles for feeders, and I bought one slinky as an experiment, put the pole together, put it in the ground, slid the slinky over the crook, and then I kind of tied the top of the slinky with a piece of hemp to the upper arch portion and let the slinky just hang down. It stretched right out to like...
1: And, Bill, this is the new... uh, not to be repeated how to segment of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. It is it is in fact
0: this is I'm like Bob Vila Jr. <laughs> Ask this
1: old Bigfoot.
0: Uh, yeah. Ask this, and if you don't believe I'm an old Bigfoot, look at the picture of me on the website.
1: (laughs) And you know, we should mention that, Bill. I've been seeing we have a lot of new listeners in our statistics. And folks, if you're relatively new to the podcast, you know, my brother and I, and it is my blood brother, um, I live down in North Carolina, and uh, my brother lives up in New York on Long Island. And uh, we do this podcast every week and we do it over Skype. So we are uh, speaking to one another live, and it's a little complex from a technical standpoint to make it all work, but it typically works out okay. But we are about 600 miles apart and uh, have lived apart for a long time. And one of us was raised by a Bigfoot, and the other one wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so Bill, I was out in, as you know, in western North Carolina this week. I'm back now, but I was out near Asheville and uh went out there to do a little bit of hiking and uh sightseeing, go go see the Biltmore Estate as it was decorated for Christmas, but it was freaking cold out there. So we ended up <laughs> not doing a lot of hiking, mainly because we weren't prepared for the frigid temperatures. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like one degree Fahrenheit without the wind chill a couple of the days, which is wow. pretty darn cold. Actually, the water mains in Asheville, North Carolina, a couple of them uh, uh, were broken from the cold. Mm-hmm. So it was a real logistical problem. So instead of hiking around the woods, we ended up hiking around a couple of, uh, like, arts and crafts galleries in downtown Asheville. And it was the funniest thing. So last week, you know, on Christmas, as you know, I posted the Hopkinsville Goblins episode, a a rerun of it, because we were enjoying Christmas um, and I come walking around the corner in this gallery and at about three feet by four foot painting, unmistakable, of the Hopkinsville goblins. Whoa, how did it look? Was it done well? So it was perfect. I mean, it was like unmistakable that it was that, you know, taken from those two sketches of the uh, Hopkinsville goblins. And I stopped in my tracks and of course my bride, you know, she's like, What's up? And I'm like, it's the Hopkinsville Goblet. And she's like, what the heck is that? I'm like, oh, come on. How do you not know what that is? Come on. <laughs> Get with the program. But that was super cool. So any of you out there in Asheville, there's a, a gallery of sorts um, that's in the old Woolworth building on one uh-huh. of the main streets in Asheville, North Carolina. By the way, this place is also spectacular. You know, it's it's one of those... Places where there's different booths for different people. The people aren't there, but they leave their wares there. Whether it's a metal sculpture, paintings, whatever. Uh-huh. Go check out there's some pretty good cryptid images in addition to that one in wow. this gallery. Yeah, that's funny, Kevin. You don't know what
0: the Hopkinsville goblins are. <laughs> what's the matter with you? What
1: the heck? And <laughs>
0: yeah, We're married. that's too much hey honey look the Hopkinsville goblins (laughs) you're out of your mind give me the keys
1: (laughs) <laughs> all right. Well, this week, now that we finished the do-it-yourself segment of <laughs> squirrel prevention, uh, we're yeah, going to go I... into cryptids in the news and other oddities. And I Excellent. have a great story this week, Bill. Awesome. So you you have to, all of our listeners, you have to kind of sit back. If you're in a, a dark, cold room, that's even better uh, <laughs> because we're going out to uh, Cornwall In the UK. So this is a a peninsula that juts out into the North Atlantic on the southwestern coast of the UK. Pretty cool place. I've been there. And it's a very old area. Um, And there's a legend there of what's called the Owl Man. Owl
0: as in (laughs) O-W-L? Yeah, I got it. Hey, folks, by the way, take my brother's advice. Just step away for a minute and turn the heat off in your house.
1: <laughs> turn off the lights, open up a window so you get some <laughs> damp breeze coming through. And now you're in the village of Cornwall. <laughs> All right. so, so apparently this creature, which is half man, half owl, has been terrifying locals since the 1920s. Wow, And it's right around uh, two churches, two old churches. One is called St. Mawnin, and the other is St. Stephen's. And they're located about a mile from the village center of Mawnin Smith. Hmm. So apparently, like the the legend is, that it's been haunted by a human-sized owl... That has very large wings, long claws, and Bill, what kind of eyes? Gotta be red. Glowing red eyes. Wow. So this is a little bit like Mothman, right? Although yeah, and an I've, heard, I've heard I've I've heard tales of a giant owl man here in the States. Oh, okay. But go ahead. Alright, yeah. So so uh the first modern day sighting of the owl man that was reported was in April of nineteen seventy-six. And on that day, uh, there were two teenage girls on holiday with their parents in the village. And they walked down to the old remote church, you know, just to go for a little walk. And on top of the church tower, they saw what was described as a terrifying bird man with wings and feathers. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. And the story goes that they were so terrified by the sighting um, when they went back and met with their parents that their father decided to put an end to their holiday and leave Cornwall immediately.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, and and this happens a lot with uh, Bigfoot encounters, you know, where people just get out of Dodge. Yeah. They, they don't want to see it again. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Go ahead, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, and then in July of the same year, 1976, Two different teenage girls decided to go camping in the area, but spotted a giant owl of human size with glowing eyes. Oh, my God. Glowing red eyes, of course. Yeah, I
0: can't imagine, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. So... This started to make national headlines, and all eyes turned to the village, you know, and what was going on there. And I'll put up a picture of the old church. It's just what you would imagine, folks. You know, this creepy old church with these trees that look like they could reach out and grab you. And, of course, a moss-covered graveyard around the church. Oh,
0: man. And there were actual—were there any headlines,
1: Kev? Yeah, apparently. I I didn't come across them, but they talk about it in this article— which is in uh, a, a newspaper from Cornwall. Wow. That was written a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, so this was getting around the neighborhood, so to speak, you Absolutely. know, what was going on.
1: Absolutely. Now, yeah. the catch is, so after this went out on the national headlines, um, the Man was quickly branded as a hoax. And the reason that was, but don't worry, folks, sit tight, (laughs) was that uh, people realized that some of the reports led back somehow a connection to one man, which was a guy named Tony Doc Shields. And Tony Doc Shields was a magician and a paranormal researcher, and he was a guy that also claimed to have seen the Loch Ness Monster and took a picture of it. And that. And uh, so they were like, wait a minute, this guy, like, there's no way one guy can see all these different cryptids. There must be something up. However, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> since then, several sightings of the creature have, have been reported. And last year, so about a year and a half ago, a ghost hunter from Falmouth. Claimed he spotted the owl man and that his friend got attacked by it. Wow. Yeah, so this guy, <laughs> Mark Davies, was in the graveyard with his friend Chris Power, 36 years old, from Manchester. And uh-huh. he said there's ley lines which are under the ground near the church and they give off paranormal activity. So, so this guy had one of these, you know, uh, electromagnetic energy detectors that they used to try to detect uh, paranormal activity. Right, like an EMP or an EVP. Yeah, and he was detecting that there's these lines under the, under the graveyard of this energy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's there at night, of course, doing these det- detections another night, and he says there was a hissing in the trees. And you could hear flapping, and I heard it go right over my head. That's when I saw the figure, and it had horns on its head. Oh, my God. It was mad. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm mad. Yeah, so then he says on the meter that he had set up, (laughs) uh, he was getting um, uh, conscious replies to the questions that he was asking. And he says, that's telling me, this is a quote, that's telling me there's a demonic energy and it wasn't safe. Boy, oh boy.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was
1: too safe, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and shortly after that, his buddy that he's with got attacked by this thing. And he had scratches on his arm and it also uh, damaged the camera that he had. Boy, oh boy, man. And get this. He said he didn't see anything, he just felt this surge of energy.
0: That is weird, man.
1: How weird is that, right?
0: Yeah. You know, and you know how my mind works, Kev. (laughs) I I was just thinking of the little chicken hawk with foghorn leg (laughs) on.
1: I, I'm I'm not sure how that mind works, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a chicken
0: hawk and I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> <laughs> now step aside, <or> sir. <laughs> but I'm thinking of this owl coming out of the trees, hissing and flapping with horns on its head. As
1: big as a man.
0: Yeah, I mean, come
1: on. That's ridiculous. But but you know, Very strange place. So get this. This is I think this is the coolest part. And it could be, folks, full disclosure, just because the other night I watched one of my favorite movies again for the 150th time, An American Werewolf in London. And wow. if you've seen that movie, if you haven't, you got to watch it. And if you've seen that movie, you know that they walk into this pub out on the English moors uh, and uh, probably out near Cornish. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, there's a pentagraph on the wall with candles burning, you know, because it's a full moon. And they don't know any of this, but it turns out it's a super creepy place that's got this demonic activity. So this author that's writing this story, this is how it ties back. He says... To this day, this church is quite eerie and spooky. A gate leading into the yard shows a dramatic looking inscription that is actually in Cornish. So I'm going to do my best to pronounce it in Cornish and then I'll translate it. It says, Da Faini Nessi the Du. And that translates into, It is good to draw near to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better remember
0: that when you're out snooping around with your freaking uh, EVP recorders and your uh, uh, noise box, spirit boxes, and all of that. Yeah, and oh, so this God. author
1: goes on too, and they're like, "Well, you know, they went out to the village, you know, when they were researching the story, and um, there's no signs or anything in the village mentioning it. You know how, like here in the states, if there's a." uh you know a significant bigfoot sighting like in whitehall new york you will see a sign that says you know near this sign you know in xxx uh two police officers uh reported a sighting of bigfoot you know what i mean but nothing like that yeah and um they they (laughs) she said that she did find some locals that were living in, the, living in the village at the time in the 76. And she said, I haven't heard it mentioned for years and years since it first happened, actually. It was a media event at the time, and people were afraid to go to the church afterwards. Wow. Yeah. and And she explained that the reason why Alman is not as popular today in the village is because the population has changed. So it's like a You know, a village where a lot of the elders have either died off or moved away. And now it's the next generation of people, you know, immigrants into the village from other places in the UK or other places in the world. And Mm -hmm. they just don't know about the history. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But maybe they'll find out. Yeah.
1: no, no, Yeah. And and this woman says there's a lot of history going on up there. There are more things going on than meets the eye. They said, a member of my family heard spooky noises from a tree, even though there was absolutely no wind. Hmm. And then she said, my husband and I also saw a very strange looking bird fly straight into a grave. Oh, that's weird. Although not quite as terrifying as an owl man.
0: Yeah, but if it's true, a very strange happening indeed. No, it just
1: sounds like a lot of demonic energy going on.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, very weird things going on, you know.
1: You know, anything, uh, the demonic
0: will do anything to draw your mind into a place where you think there's something other than God going on. Right. That's that's, that's the game plan, deception. And uh, you see a bird flying into a grave... <laughs> Uh, you know that is deception, my friend. Generally, not a good thing
1: to see. Yeah, or a giant yeah. horned owl—not a horned owl like we think of as the horned owl we see in nature, but something that's five or six feet tall with giant horns on its head.
0: You know. Yeah, and also the the place they're entering into—you're just inviting trouble. You know, you're opening up the store. It's like playing with a Ouija board, right? You're going in now, we're doing a little ghost hunting, we got our spirit box, we got our uh, EVPs, we got our EM. You know, you got all of the tools that are said to do the job, but really the job you're doing is inviting trouble (laughs) upon yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're doing, and you're doing a damn good job of it. Yeah, doing a damn good job of it, I
1: agree. Well done, well done. Well Well done, done, well
0: done. Uh, Call an ambulance, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, all right, Bill. So, that is Cryptids in the News today and other oddities with the Owl Man of Cornish.
0: Yeah, fantastic, man. You promised a terrifying tale. Well, this is a really bizarre encounter. It's a little lengthy, but I'm telling you, folks. Well worth every word. This following account was told to me by a guide, as in a hunting guide, named Chase Redmond. And uh, this is what Chase had to say. As you already know, Bill, I am a hunter who offers my guide services to paying customers. Let's face it, if somebody is ponying up several thousand dollars to hunt with me, I have an obligation to put forward my best effort in order to help them get what they came for. Sometimes this means exposing my best hunting areas to total strangers. The area that I'm about to talk about is one such place. All that I'm willing to tell you is that this location is near the shore in the Pacific Northwest. This is my absolute favorite site for black bear hunting, and it's a former logging area located in the coastal hills. There are still many logging roads in this location, which are well-worn and easily accessible by four-wheeler, so you could scope out your hunt by truck fairly easily. There is one area in particular that looks like an atomic bomb went off your first thought would be that the loggers really messed this place up good. However, the reality is that the location's appearance is actually the result of a massive landslide. This event was so large that it dragged entire trees right down to the shoreline. It is an incredible sight to see the power of nature's fury. It is my general habit to go here and seek out active bears before parking, and going out to continue the hunt on foot. Now, I'm not really giving up any of my trade secrets here. Every black bear hunter worth their salt knows that they mark their territories by snapping off treetops, and it's because of this that I actually came across Bigfoot. I already told you that there are many logging roads still available for use here, but many others are so overgrown on the sides that they're impassable unless you are on foot, and the bears make good use of these. I have scored many bears while walking down such trails, and when they're walking down them, the bears reach up and grab some low brush trees, snapping the tops down. I know you are more than likely already wondering, what does this have to do with Bigfoot? Well, the average bear in these parts is between four and 500 pounds. When they stand up to snap a tree, the visible brakes are somewhere around 6 or 7 feet from the ground. The freshness of the brake can be a very good indicator of what has been frequenting any trail in particular. It's a simple enough tool in my bag of tricks. The trails in here are extremely hard-packed, so I typically won't see any hardcore tracks. However, I will find superficial pad prints on a loose surface soil, and at best, these prints are a quarter of an inch deep, more or less. On this day, I was going into an area alone to prep for a hunt the following week with a paid client. I like to save some time and try to narrow down the best locations to find our mark in advance. Of course, the clients know that there are no guarantees when hunting, but as a guide, you won't get many repeat clients or recommendations if you don't produce. At the very least, the clients want to see what they came for, and if they miss their shot, it's not my fault. At this time, I will attempt to give you a picture of the area where the landslide had occurred. Visually, you're looking at a river of tree trunks and branches, piled up One upon the other, like pickup sticks dumped out onto the table. The bears can actually navigate over and through this mess of timber with great agility. And there are literally hundreds of creatures which have made this tangled maze their home. Now, let me get back to the trails just for a moment. I was walking the trails looking for these tree snaps when I ran across a break that was well out of my reach. Now, I can easily reach to seven feet, which is a height that would indicate the presence of a large bear in the area. However, this particular break must have been 16 feet from the ground. The tree had a very viable trunk of maybe three or four inches in diameter and wouldn't have been easy even for the largest bear to bend over. The typical bushes or small trees that the bears snap are about two inches thick at most. The snap that I was looking at was fresh and viable. Think about this for a moment. I'm an experienced hunter within the confines of an area I know very well. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours tracking and hunting bear using this methodology. I do not suddenly see this break and assume that there's a 14 foot tall black bear running around here. That's impossible. It also seemed to me that no man had come in here just to climb a skinny tree and mangle the top of it for fun. Makes sense, right? So like any person would do, I wondered what might have been able to reach that height and break a tree. The next day, I returned to search for additional bears in the area, and as I was walking one of the trails, I saw yet another high tree break, just like the one I had seen the day before. Now that I had found two, I could safely declare that this was a pattern, not an accident. To me, it seemed as though something was mimicking what the bears were doing. Most of the old logging roads here overlook an area that had been logged, with the entire area now being filled with new growth, rather than being empty fields, there are seas of small trees and bushes. The new trees range in height from 10 to 20 feet tall, and this growth is for the most part, dense and impassable. In a hundred years, it will thin out to a certain degree, but for now, it's a jungle. It's extremely easy to accidentally stumble across a bear in there. And for that reason, most of the clients are very uneasy about following me through this brush, but they will follow where their guide leads. I spotted some bear in this new growth from an elevated logging road, so I went down into the brush to figure out where they might be traveling. I also came across some fresh scat and a number of tree breaks that marked their trail fairly easily. When I got back to the truck, I decided to spend a little more time looking around with my glasses. He's talking about uh, binoculars. And from my position by the side of the truck, I could look down into the sea of trees that I had just explored and noticed some trees moving around which is a sure indication that something was walking through them. I would never be able to spot a bear from up here since they're far too low to the ground. The only time you do see them is on the trail in the open brush or when they are climbing on the log piles. This was not a bear. I looked more closely and began to see some flashes of color, black and dark, reddish-brown spots appeared and disappeared as something continued moving through the trees. Now, mind you, the trees in the area were between 10 and 20 feet tall, with the vast majority of them falling between, say, 8 and 14 feet. Whatever I was seeing had to be clearing that height in order for me to occasionally lay eyes on it. I could see it was steadily moving, parting the trees out of its way as it did so. My hope was that it would I soon would be able to see it in full once it reached a river of logs. At that point, it would either have to stop and retreat back into the woods, or climb up onto the pile like a bear. I watched intently as whatever it was approached the end of the trees, and suddenly there it was, a huge Bigfoot climbing up onto the logs. The creature started walking around on the pile as though it was looking for something inside of the logs. Occasionally it crouched down and reached inside of the heap, and every now and then, I would see it put its hand to its mouth after pulling something out. It must have been getting some type of food from within the maze of fallen trees. Personally, I knew that there were birds' nests, mice, and all sorts of small critters that made this maze of wood their home. But I couldn't tell what this Bigfoot was actually eating. I was wondering why I had never seen it before or seen the high tree breaks and uh, and any of the other times I had frequented the area. Maybe it had recently moved into the area and was letting the bears know that it was around. Who knows what interaction it might have with other animals. It most definitely was a mystery to me. The creature maneuvered with great dexterity around the logs like a child on the monkey bars. Its fur was long and shaggy, and now that it was in the open sunlight, it appeared to be predominantly blondish-red in color, with darker undertones. From my vantage point, and having seen glimpses of going through the trees, I would have to say that it was close to, if not fully, 12 feet tall. At one point, I noticed a black bear coming up onto the tree pile, maybe a hundred yards away from this beast. And as the bear came onto the pile, it froze before quickly climbing back down and scampering away. I now knew who the boss was, seeing that this bear didn't want anything to do with the Bigfoot. When I took a moment to look directly at its face... I think that it either saw me or the sunlight reflecting off my binoculars. Whichever it was made the bee stop what it was doing and climb back down into the trees. After a few minutes, I was able to see a little bit of its color and wondered if it had just ducked into the cover to observe me. Perhaps ten minutes or so had passed when I could once again see the trees and brush shaking and moving indicating it was moving away. I watched this pattern of movement for several hundred yards until the Bigfoot reached a hillside. It was then that I saw it emerge from the dense brush and walk into the open until it was completely out of sight. At that point, it was easily more than 1,500 yards away from my position. Even though I still hunt there, I have never seen it again. But from time to time, I still encounter some fresh, high tree breaks. I get the feeling it really doesn't want anything to do with me or you. I know there's plenty of food around here because of the ongoing dense bear population. We hunt many bear in here, and for every one we take down, there's another one to take its place in the food chain. Now, I know you want to hear about the details, and I'm sure you've heard most of these before. It had to have been four feet wide at the midsection, maybe six feet at the shoulders. These creatures are totally out of the box when it comes to human comprehension. It must be like when someone first comes face-to-face with a Bengal tiger or a large crocodile. You're immediately overwhelmed by how big they really are. When on a hunt in Africa... I saw a croc that was six feet wide at the middle and 25 feet long. Seeing this Bigfoot was that type of encounter. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. Think about it for a moment. How many of the six or eight billion people on Earth have seen a 25-foot-long crocodile? And how many do you think will see a 12-foot-tall Bigfoot? To me, it's all the same, being simply a matter of time and chance. What do you think of that, Kev? <laughs> well, you promised and you delivered. I'm telling you, man, 12 feet tall. <laughs> and he made an excellent point bringing into that Uh, his hunt in Africa, where he saw this immense, you know, tiger, immense crocodile. When you get up on something for yourself, real and personal for the first time, that is a game-changing event.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, whatever it is.
0: Right. It just takes you out of your city slicker box, and you go home saying... You know, what sticks in your mind? Oh, yeah, the beautiful hills, we saw the mountains, we were in a field of uh, flowers.
1: But the crocodile, you know. Oh, yeah. When we were last up in Alaska in the summer of 2019, um, you know, out in uh, the rural, rural parts of uh, western Alaska, watching the brown bear, otherwise known as grizzly, doing their salmon fishing and clamming in the mud and stuff. And when one of those walks by you, and folks, they do walk by you because they, they they don't know what humans are. And they're also so well fed on the salmon and everything else up there that they're not interested in messing with you. But when they walk by, it is like, oh my God, like that thing is so big and so powerful. Even though you've seen images of these on television or on the internet or whatever your whole life, when one walks by you you're like oh my god it's massive
0: yeah absolutely incredible so here's this guy in this landslide of trees and with all the undergrowth still coming up from the logging uh, that had gone and uh, there's this dense forest of young you know uh, pines of some kind saplings
1: or whatever yeah
0: and uh, you know The forest has a way of weeding itself out over time. You know, the stronger ones grow up. The lesser or weaker uh, seeds, you know, either die off or are starving for light and kind of wither away, becoming like the undergrowth and whatnot. And he's seeing bears and everything are, are now climbing up onto this pile and there's all kinds of creatures using this pile of pickup sticks, as he called it, as an area to hide, to make nests, to live, and to thrive, you know? Yeah. So everything knows that there's stuff in there to eat. Yep. Really incredible. Just incredible. How about this, though, that he's seeing this high tree breaks, Mm. and he just logically puts two and two together. Too tall for a bear... No man is gonna shinny up a three-inch-wide tree, uh, you know, ten or twelve feet to snap the top down. If he could even do it, right? It just doesn't make sense, you know. And and what does make sense? Something that reached up there or got up there to do that. So, uh, what an incredible story, though, huh? The black bear hunter. Amazing, Kev, you know? I know. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to our listener mail segment. What do we have in our listener mail
1: segment? We have some great emails this week, Bill, from our fans. Uh, Still a couple of Christmas wishes that we'll cover because we are in uh, here on New Year's Eve as we record this. And uh, so the first one comes from David from Tillamook, Oregon. Beautiful part of the country, David. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most folks in the U.S. I know have never been to uh, the coast of Oregon, and I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And the subject David is writing in about, Bill, is related to one of your requests. And this is the subject is Sir Francis Drake Treasure. Oh, yeah, we did that podcast about that treasure diggers out there yeah about a month ago or so Mm -hmm. and he says hi guys i've lived my whole life in tillamook oregon which is very near niacani which is that village you were talking about Mm -hmm. and he says the lost treasure is a well-known story in this county not sure if it's true or not but that it's neither here nor there As a lifelong logger in the area, I can tell you there's absolutely Sasquatch in the area from personal experience on a few of our logging job sites in the area. (laughs) Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, there you go. You got the guys out in the woods. If anyone would know, be them. Exactly. And he says, really enjoy listening to your stories. Keep up the great work, David. Yeah. Now, I reached out to David,
0: and David, if you're listening... Uh, I reached out to you. I'd like to contact you and talk to you about uh, anything you have to offer from the logging industry about Bigfoot sightings. So, if you didn't get that for whatever reason, recontact us, and or give me your number, and I will reach out to you again. Uh, like I say, if you've seen something, say something. So, I'm looking to reach out to you, brother.
1: <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, our next email, Bill, comes in from Bill uh, from Seattle. And he says, Merry Christmas from Seattle. Hey, Bill and Kev, wishing you both a Merry Christmas and a healthy and happy New Year. Uh, three years in, and you guys are still killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen <laughs> to this, Bill. I came across a children's book called Goodnight Krampus in the neighborhood <laughs> library. Nice. <laughs> Hilarious, <laughs> as Krampus is a jolly little elf as opposed to a hideous terrorizer of children. <laughs> <laughs> Tell well them like it is, <laughs> Bill. I got to look that up uh, and get a copy of it because it's kind of, it reminds me, and I'm sure it's a takeoff of the children's book that I have read uh, probably a thousand times to my kids when they were little called Goodnight Moon. Kev, do you know?
0: You put up the picture of that card on the website of the Krampus with oh, the yeah, kid from
1: the early 1900s. I think it was 1910.
0: Yeah. Now somebody was telling me since I looked at that card and folks, if you go on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, dot uh, com, the Christmas episode, you'll see the card I'm talking about. Yeah,
1: I think it's 178,
0: probably. Uh, somebody told me that the story uh, back in the old world was that the, the Krampus would grab a kid and shove him in the basket. If they were bad.
1: Right. No, that's the... exactly it. That, that's the coolest part because you got the little girl there that's sitting on the ground with a big smile with her basket of treats. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. little fruits and spices and flowers and stuff like that from St. Nicholas. And then Krampus is grabbing a little boy and stuffing him in the basket because apparently he wasn't as good.
0: Yeah, and they said that the Krampus would beat them with rods or sticks or yeah, something. sticks.
1: birch sticks. Oh,
0: my goodness. What a crazy thing.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you noticed in the picture, Kev, but the, the little happy kid with the fruits and stuff also has an over-under shotgun they
1: got for Christmas. <laughs> I got to look at that picture again. Yeah, take a closer
0: that. look. but that krampus image
1: couldn't be any uglier
0: (laughs) yeah i mean with the tongue sticking out and the tail and i mean that is just a hideous thing
1: (laughs) well i'm telling you some of these people are warped out there yeah yeah all right our next email comes from lee from minnesota ah or minnesota yeah, mini soda. <laughs> she says, Merry Christmas and a joyous Noel. Uh, years ago, I enjoyed this online comic strip called Bug Sport. It's about a fictitious little town populated by the Greys, Sasquatch, and other assorted cryptids. It was very entertaining, but sadly also very short-lived. Below is a link to one panel Christmas portrait by creator Ted Bastion. Um, so it's, it's, and the link is tedstudioonewordcom one word, slash And this is, I don't know, did you get a chance to look at this, Bill? I didn't. Oh, it, it is uh, pretty cool. Think of it as like Scooby-Doo, and all the characters of Scooby-Doo meet all of the uh, local cryptids.
0: <laughs> in an
1: illustration, so it's like it's, it's like you know shaggy and uh uh whoever uh, I can't think of uh the girls' names from the uh from the episode are hanging out around the Christmas tree and there's a giant Bigfoot putting the star on the top of the tree and some gray aliens kind of looking in from the sides it's it's pretty spectacular.
0: you know what it reminds me of <laughs> What's that? Remember when they had that TV show? It was a one-off called The Monster Mash, The Mad Monster Party. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they had that song, They did the mash. They <laughs> did the monster mash, the monster mash. <laughs> and all, like, uh, Dracula and the Wolfman and Frankenstein, they were all dancing around, you know? Freaking yeah. absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah, shut up, W.J. Like Kevin talk. <laughs>
1: And our last email this week is pretty cool. It, it comes in from JW and he says, happy holidays and thanks. He said, I just want to thank you both. I continue to enjoy the podcast and speak with my brother on the phone after episodes to compare notes. Hmm. We're a couple of goofballs now living far apart, just like another pair of brothers. And we have not seen one another since before the pandemic started. It is for us a bonding experience to share some laughs from the podcast and puzzle over certain squatchy occurrences in our own lives. I also hyperventilate with laughter every time the black eyed kids come up. (laughs) 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 On a serious note, Bill, I know the pain of losing a loved one can all be brought back during this time of the year. I know the words of a stranger may mean nothing, but I think of you. May you have the strength and love of Christ in your life and your heart. Carry on, you two. Merry Christmas and happy New Year. And he says, sign J. W. And he says, by the time you read this, my baby daughter will likely have been born. Ah. If she goes to on, if she goes to college to study squatchology, <laughs> I will have fulfilled my duties as a father. <laughs> Well, congratulations, JW, and thank you for the well wishes from both my brother and I. And it does mean a lot, even though you are a stranger, especially because of your last comment of uh, sending your daughter off to college to study squatchology. <laughs> and also,
0: self professed goofball. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. So, we're, we're also happy that the podcast brings you and your brother together. It does the same for us, obviously. Um, by uh, you know, having us uh, rally around everything else that's going on in our lives to do this podcast every week, and yep. we're also happy that the Black Eyed Children bring you some joy.
0: <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, Kevin. May I borrow your telephone? <laughs> hey, look, they're talking about the Black Eyed Children again. It's okay.
1: I just want to come inside to borrow your phone.
0: Hey, little guy. Why don't you come in here? I have a nice Hillary and Bradsby baseball bat waiting for you.
1: (laughs) Come on in. All right, Bill. That's a great podcast, folks. Have a happy new year. Thank you for all of your support. This is the end of our fourth season, which is amazing. Uh, Episode 180 here today. So 180 episodes we never would have imagined We would have gotten this far. You guys keep us going. Please give us those five-star reviews. And if you have time to give us a little written review, too, on your favorite podcast player, we love reading them. And it is fuel for our fire to keep going. So thank you so much. Have a happy and healthy New Year.
0: Yeah, a healthy and happy New Year as well coming from me. And remember, folks... If you find yourself walking around the Pacific Northwest, or maybe in Cornwall, in England, you best remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight and happy new year.